just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Friday. We're wrapping up yet another week. It's been a busy one this week, and yesterday a lot of interesting stuff happened, so we've got a lot to talk about on this particular podcast. Now, yesterday was kind of busy for me, too. We had the normal podcast, which you've already listened to, but I recorded two other podcasts with listeners. I had one with listener Dennis, which you will hear tomorrow, and then one with listener Fred, which you will hear Sunday. And later today, I'm recording a show with Ed, which you will hear later today. So all kinds of content coming your way. You know about Ed. You know what to expect there. As far as the listeners, Fred's been on the show a couple of times, a few times actually, and he's very good, and it's a great show. Dennis, I think it's his first time on the show, but I've read a number of his emails. Very sharp guy. He's a young guy. He's like 38 years old, so he's like our kid, you know? He's about the age of my oldest son, so it's interesting what I hear from the younger folks on this show. I always expect to hear the old people like you and me, but from time to time, we get the young folks, and they have some interesting insights, and they have some different concerns than we do. I mean, we older folks are worried about the future, not so much for us, but for our kids and our grandkids. Somebody like Dennis, who's in his late 30s, well, the future is his, and he has to worry about it because it is yet to come. So it was an interesting show, and you'll want to listen to it. And again, Ed's coming up later today, so we've got a lot to talk about. I think I told you, too, that I'm going to Georgia. I'm leaving Saturday morning and I'm coming back the following Wednesday. Now, we've got the weekend covered with those podcasts I've already recorded. On Monday, I'll be do, doing a normal podcast from Georgia, Tuesday and Wednesday as well. So we're not going to miss a day. We got you covered here. Just rest assured. We'll start off today's podcast, as we traditionally do, with emails. I have a couple First one comes from a woman by the name of Nancy. I believe this is her first email. Actually, she's a relatively new listener to TikTok. She didn't know about podcasts. I answered this email uh, with another email. So hopefully by now she's figured out how to get to the podcast because she was asking about that. Anyway, Nancy says, I was scrolling through TikTok and I found you. I was delighted by your straightforward message. I'm often called a snowflake and a libtard. For the record, I'm 69 years old and I have been voting Democrat since I first voted for George McGovern. I have never listened to a podcast, <laughs> not just my podcast, any podcast, but I think I would enjoy tuning into yours. Where do I find it and how do I sign up for it? Well, and I sent her an email. I said, it's pretty simple. The way it's set up now, you can go right to rationalboomer.com, and that'll take you right to the Anchor page, and you can listen to the podcast there, or you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Stitcher, whatever. Any of those apps, you're likely to find uh, the Rational Boomer podcast. And if all that confuses you, just go to Google Put in Rational Boomer Podcast, and it'll take you to a place where you can click a link and listen to it. So hopefully, I sent that email earlier today. Hopefully, Nancy is listening to this podcast. She says, I'm also going to try to attach a photo that someone took of me when I was going into the polling place recently. I was quite surprised when I saw this on someone's Facebook. I knew nothing about it being taken and completely enjoyed the discussion it created in the comments. Nancy. Well, she did. Uh, she was successful in attaching the picture, and it is a great picture. It just shows her back as she's walking into a building, and she's uh, dressed like the women in hands, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> I told her. 
I love that rebel attitude. I love that you're sticking it in their face. So Nancy, thank you for watching on TikTok. I hope you found us on the podcast. And I love the picture. I love the picture. I, I love any time somebody goes after the man. All right, this next one comes from Trevor. You all know Trevor. He's been on the show a couple of times. He sends a lot of emails. Uh, he's a young man, again, another young man who's up in the northwestern part of the country. And Trevor says, I just recently got connected with a vocational rehabilitation center specialist who specializes in helping people with disabilities with getting a job. I told her that I had ADHD and my personal life, professional experience, and what I'm gearing towards for a job. What else I don't understand is why my generation of millennials are quitting their jobs and taking on unemployment. However, the interest rate has increased and now it's harder for them to afford a home. Now, you'll remember when we talked to Trevor, um, he was working on things, getting a job, getting some uh, assistance with health care, uh, and it sounds like he's doing great. Um, as far as millennials quitting, I don't know if that's really the case. They can't quit and get unemployment. They have to be let go or laid off or something in order to get unemployment. I think we're at a moment in time when there's fewer people to take jobs. And I think a lot of that really has to do with with the boomers. You know, people like me got into the pandemic, were working up and to and through the pandemic. And then after that, they said, you know, fuck it, I'm old enough, I'm going to retire. What you have to understand is there's about 70 million boomers out there. I'm on the young end of the boomers. But there's a lot of older people that were just going to naturally retire, and maybe that was the push they needed. With 70 million boomers, 5,000 of them dying per day, that's going to put a hit on our uh, employment situation. There's going to be far fewer people through attrition and through just people retiring. Um, I know some millennials, and I don't know any millennials that don't want to work. They understand that they're starting their lives right now, and they've got to get themselves set up. What I've told millennials at this point, this is a opportune time for you. When I was young, when you were young, and we were looking for jobs, it wasn't unusual that there might be five or ten people also applying for the same job. We had to keep our fingers crossed and hope against hope that we would get the job. And many of us, plenty of us, wanted certain jobs and didn't get them. I know I had one job that I thought I had for sure. And it was at a time when we needed money because I had a wife, a kid, a house. And I didn't get the job. It depressed the shit out of me. It was really upsetting for me. But you know what? I keep kept pushing at it. And within a month later, I got a job. It was a better job. It was a better fit for me. So it worked out in the end. All right. Now, Trevor continues with his email and he says, I'm getting sick and fucking tired of hearing George shithead talk like he knows the truth about everything, but he's a, just a pathological liar. Why did the GOP vote to take out House Representative Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee? Is it because of her ethnicity or background in politics. I'm just rolling my eyes because Kevin McCarthy thinks he can create a bill out of his ass and make it a law when the Senate aren't going to vote for it. I really want Jack Smith to hand over indictments like it's candy to 100% of the GOP Trumplefucks. I really love that podcast episode when you had Dewey on the Rational Boomer podcast show and learning about his tax specialties and about a debt ceiling situation for Kevin, which was very interesting. Trump is a pussy-ass bitch <laughs> when he was at the tax fraud trial and saying same answer, same answer like 400 fucking times. He thinks he's going to be president in 2024, and I'm just LMFAO. <laughs> now, here's the thing about, thank you, Trevor. Thank you for the, uh, the, the, uh, the email. But here's the thing with Trevor. When I first had Trevor on the show, he was very demure, very quiet, very laid back. And now he's coming out of his shell. I have a feeling we created a monster here. But Trevor, that's not a negative. We need more monsters. We need more people in the Republicans' face. 
And so keep it up. Keep it up. You're better to be strong than you are to be shy and demure. I don't know if we had any part of you coming out of your shell, but that's a good thing. Just temper it. You can't do it all the time, but when it's appropriate, strike out at them with your words and put them in their place. So, Trevor, thank you very much for your email. It's always good to hear from you. And please keep us up to date with the progress with your career and and the things you're going to be doing. Now, here's a weird story that came out later in the afternoon or early evening. I didn't do a TikTok about it. And, of course, people are saying, why didn't you do one about this? Didn't you hear about it? Dude, I did four or five TikToks today. It was later in the afternoon. I have a life now and again, and so I didn't get to it. I'll do something on it tomorrow. But we're going to talk about it here, so what the hell? (laughs) The U.S. Department of Defense is currently tracking a surveillance balloon owned by the Chinese government. A senior defense official said Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Patrick Ryder said the military considered shooting it down but decided against doing so. CNN reported it this way. The balloon is currently traveling at an altitude well above commercial air traffic and does not present a military or physical threat to people on the ground. We are confident that this high-altitude surveillance balloon belongs to the People's Republic of China, or as Donald Trump would say, China. (laughs) The senior defense official said instances of this activity have been observed over the past several years, including prior to this administration. The official said the U.S. government has engaged with the Chinese government, both through the Chinese embassy in Washington and the U.S. diplomatic mission in China. The balloon does not present a military or physical threat to people on the ground. Now, the discovery of the balloon comes just a few days before Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is set to meet with Chinese officials in Beijing. Well, at least now they've got something to talk about. We know exactly where the balloon is, exactly what it's passing over, and we're taking steps to be extra vigilant so that we can mitigate any foreign intelligence risk. The official added the balloon's path has been over a number of sensitive sites. It was first spotted over the Aleutian Islands in Alaska before it crossed into Canadian airspace and then headed over Montana, which there are some silos there. It's probably headed through North Dakota, where we have some other nuclear silos there as well. Now, last year, Politico reported that the Pentagon had been working on a plan to use its own spy balloons against China and Russia. The high-altitude inflatables flying at about 60 to 90,000 feet would be added to the Pentagon's extensive surveillance network and could eventually be used to track hypersonic weapons, the outlet said. The Pentagon spent $3.8 billion on such balloons from 2020 to 2022. This is 2023. Why are people still using balloons? I suppose it's cheap. I don't know how they're conducting the surveillance, but no doubt they have the technology to do that. And as much as our government is saying it's not a threat, They do acknowledge that this thing is flying over sensitive areas. That's got to be the whole point of the Chinese government uh, doing the surveillance, looking at our nuclear weaponry and things like that. Why is that not a threat? Why don't they just shoot it down? Now, the excuse they're saying for not shooting it down is, well, they don't want to cause problems and hurt people on the ground if if it was shot down. Let's be honest. (laughs) Montana is pretty sparsely populated. The odds of it falling on somebody's head is pretty slim. So is there another reason why they don't shoot it down? Well, somebody else suggested that when we are uh, flying our planes in the China Sea, Perfectly legal to do that, but China has the uh, feeling that that is part of their airspace. So we shoot down a balloon, they shoot down a plane, we shoot down a plane. Next thing we know, we're in the middle of a war. So they're being cautious about that. 
But the funny thing is, the thing that bothers me, whether we're talking about uh, the Republicans getting in trouble or China spying on us, it seems like the American government is tentative about doing anything. They play the role, oh, we're tough guys and you don't dare do that or something will happen. But we've watched the Republicans and now the Chinese with the surveillance balloon do things that would presumably be unethical or illegal. And the U.S. government says, well, just don't do it again. There's got to come a time when the U.S. government actually holds people accountable. Now, they held people in check before because the threat of them being held accountable. But now that people like Donald Trump, the Republicans, the Republicans in the House of Representatives, China, uh, Russia, now that they've all done these things and we've said, oh, you better not do that, but nothing has come out of it. There's been no retribution or no accountability. It makes me think that it just opens us up for more shitty situations, especially from the Republicans. Now, Russia, there has been some accountability for this Ukrainian war. We are sanctioning the fuck out of them. We are arming the Ukrainians. So they are seeing some accountability. But what we see in Ukraine is so horrific. It's atrocities. Somehow you feel like we or all of NATO should do something to stop it. People are dying unnecessarily every day. Innocent people are dying. But again, it's a situation we have to be careful. We don't want to get dragged into a war with Russia. And apparently with this balloon, we don't want to get dragged into a war with China. Well, why isn't Russia and China worried about that? Well, because they know we're not going to do anything. So they continue to do these this bad behavior and they get away with it. And once they get away with it, they decide, well, we can do this all the fucking time. I mean, he said in this article that uh, the United States government has noticed uh, these balloons from China multiple times over the last several years, and nothing's been done about it. It just so happens that uh, the media got a hold of this one, and we know about it. But isn't that interesting? This has happened multiple times, but it isn't till now that we knew about it. If you think there aren't things that the government don't, doesn't tell us, <clears throat> you're mistaken. There's a lot of things we don't know, and maybe we should know. But it allows them to be non-responsive in these situations. Now, I don't know if shooting down the balloon is the best idea, but there's got to be some accountability for it, especially since Blinken's going over to talk to China in a couple of days. I would hope they would address this thing. I mean, we went through this with uh, Vladimir Putin about meddling in the 2016 election. Donald Trump said he talked to him about it, and he said, well, he, he said he didn't do it, and I believe him, in spite of what the intelligence agencies say. Once again, not accountable. There is no punishment for bad behavior against this government. That's something that needs to change. Otherwise, we're just begging for more of it. All right, we had a, another fucked up situation, but it, it wasn't surprised. You know, Kevin McCarthy uh, removed Adam Schiff and uh, Eric Swalwell from their committee appointments strictly for revenge. There was no legitimate reason for them to do that. Um, that said, they still put Paul Gosar, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who committed some egregious acts. I mean, Paul Gosar threatened um, AOC's life, but he's back on a committee now. But Swalwell and Schiff are not. And it's, it's not going well for Kevin McCarthy when he's done this because Schiff and Swalwell are very articulate and very assertive and aggressive guys if they see something wrong. So by taking them off this committee, it pisses them off, certainly, but it gives them plenty of time to rip into Kevin McCarthy. And since they've been taken off these, uh, these committees, Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff have been having a great time going to the press, making Kevin McCarthy look foolish. So as much as Kevin McCarthy is doing what he's doing with the committees, 
the Republicans will accomplish nothing as far as legislation over the next two years, but you can guarantee that Schiff and Swalwell and probably others will be hammering these dumb fucks for two straight years. Now, there is one other person that he wanted to take off a committee, and that is Representative Ilhan Omar from my home state of Minnesota. She was on the uh, committee, the House of Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, Only African in Congress. Um, She's done a good job there. But again, Kevin McCarthy, who sold his soul to the MAGA group, wanted her off the committee. That's kind of a promise he made to the MAGA fucks to help keep him in power. Because, you know, if he doesn't do these things, if he doesn't do what MAGA says, they're going to ask for a motion to vacate and have a a vote of no confidence. And then Kevin McCarthy will slink back to his representative's chair and be out of power. And that's the last thing that Kevin McCarthy wants. It's all about party a power for Kevin McCarthy. So anyway, they had to uh, go to the full house to vote on whether or not Ilhan Omar would be removed from her committee. Now, initially, there were like two or three Republicans who said, this is fucking ridiculous. This is a circus. I'm not going to vote to remove Ilhan Omar. And you thought to yourself, well, fuck. Maybe there are some reasonable minds in the Republican Party. But then Kevin McCarthy, feeling some pressure from MAGA, somehow went and talked to these three that up front said they weren't going to vote to remove Ilhan Omar, and either by because of bribery or threats or blackmail or whatever the fuck it is, these three Republicans said, okay, Kev, I'll vote for you. Let's strip Ilhan Omar of her committee. So they had the vote. The vote ended up along party lines, 218 to 211, and uh, Ilhan Omar was taken off the committee. Now, this is, this is interesting. Why did they take her off? Well, there's the reason they said it was, they said she made anti-Semitic statements. Now, there were some statements a while back that were a little insensitive and probably not the best thing. But was it worthy of taking her off a committee? It certainly wasn't bad as what Gosar or Marjorie Taylor Greene said. This was about revenge, but it was about something more, more than that. It was about four things when it comes to Ilhan Omar. First of all, number one, she's a woman. Number two, she's a strong woman. Number three, she's black. And number four, she's Muslim. These are all things that Republicans hate. And they voted her off, down the party lines, off the committee. Now, this is where I have to own up to the fact and admit that I was wrong. I've told you before, there are many times when I'm wrong. And in this situation, I was wrong. I told you that the Republican Party in the House of Representatives is split. You got the MAGA fucks, you've got the conservatives and the moderates. Now, the conservatives and the moderates that would like to give us the impression that they're normal, normies, as they call them, want to be disassociated with MAGA. Based on knowing that, it was my thought that, well, Ilhan Omar will get all of the uh, Democratic votes to keep her on the committee, and surely six or seven Republicans will see what a ridiculous situation this is and vote for her, and she won't be kicked off. Like I said, we had those three at least that were going to vote in favor of Ilhan Omar, but Kevin McCarthy got to them, and they changed their vote. But I really thought there would be some split. The people who don't want to be lumped in with MAGA, because MAGA is a fucking loser. We know that uh, the Republicans lost the midterms largely due to the MAGA's fucking around. Yes, they think it's Donald Trump's fault, and it partially was. Other people think it was part of overturning Roe v. Wade, and that was a big part of it. But it also included the silliness and the ridiculousness of the Republican Party, the conspiracy theories, the crazy fucking investigations, all this shit. That also cost them the midterms. 
Now, it's not surprising that MAGA can't see in front of their fucking face and continue to double down and do what they've done. But you would think these normal folks in the Republican Party would say, yeah, that's a bridge too far. Let's let's just get past this and not fuck with Ilhan. But that's not what happened. They all voted to oust Ilhan Omar, which is, I didn't think that would be the case because of logic. Well, apparently logic isn't a thing for the Republican Party. Apparently, they all decided to side with MAGA, which puts them in a bad situation, you know. If they want to separate themselves, disassociate themselves from MAGA so they can do better in the 2024 election, this isn't a good thing for them. Because as far as I'm concerned now, I gave them too much credit. Too much credit to understand logic and have intelligence and try to separate themselves from MAGA. But that's not what they did. They showed the ignorance and, 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 and bending to the pressure of MAGA, even though it's like 20 people in a group of 218. That's a small group of people, comparatively. Why they feel the pressure from these fuckheads, I don't know. But they fell in line with MAGA. So instead of saying there's a split in the House of Representatives, like I've been saying, the only, the only thing I can come to understand with the Republicans in the House of Representatives, they're all MAGA, they're all racist, they're all misogynistic, and they are all anti-Semitic. Because even if you don't don't uh, associate yourself with MAGA, if you support them, you're just as bad. So at least we can look at the Republican Party and at least the House of Representatives and say they're all fucking bad. There's a lot of people that don't want to be associated, but that's too bad. You did what you did. Now you're associated. That stink is on you and it's not going to go away. They want to get rid of they wanted to get rid of Ilhan Omar because they thought she was anti-Semitic, which I think is pretty funny if you really think about it. The pot calling the kettle black. I mean, who's more racist, anti-Semitic and misogynistic and insurrectionist than the Republican Party as a whole? We can say it's the whole now because of how they behaved in this vote for Ilhan Omar. To think that some of the Republicans might now side with the Democrats to get some kind of bill passed. I don't see it now because I thought this would be an easy one and they didn't do it. So if they're all going to fold fold up and die for MAGA, well, then we have to understand that. The important thing to understand is if that is the case, that means for two years or as long as they hold the majority, it may be less than two years. But for as long as they hold the majority, absolutely nothing is going to get done in the House of Representatives. The Republicans are going to have to initiate something, and they'll never get enough votes for it to pass. And even if they do get it to pass, no way it passes in the Senate. No way Joe Biden's going to sign it. So it's all going to be spinning their wheels, doing this bullshit for nothing. And that may be okay with them, because they're more about uh, messaging than they are about substance. They're going to uh, have the, they had this vote with Ilhan Omar. They took her off the committee. And frankly, it's not going to work in their favor. Ilhan Omar is outspoken. She's got supporters like AOC. She's not on the committee anymore, but uh, Hakeem Jeffries put her on some budgetary committee right after she was taken off this one. So she still has a committee, but she's going to be angry, and the people around her are going to be angry. And they're going to be talking shit about the Republicans every chance they get. We've seen Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell do it, and you know Ilhan Omar will do the same. And her friends like AOC and Katie Porter will be right there slamming the Democrats every step of the way. So this is what we have to look forward to and and, and what the Republicans have to look forward to. You're going to spin your wheels in Congress, accomplishing absolutely nothing, zero, 
because you're all MAGA fucks. Whether you think so or not, you sided with them, you're one of them, the stink is on you. They're going to accomplish nothing. And on top of it, you're going to have these representatives hammering these fucks every 10 minutes. And I, I, you know, I think this is a good idea. I think that uh, um, what they should do is do everything they can to embarrass the Republicans as often as possible. Do what the Republicans do. Control the narrative. Keep speaking loud and proud and continuously. Embarrass these people for their inability, their inaptitude in being members of Congress. It's not going to be hard to do. They're fucking silly, to be perfectly honest with you. And so we'll see what ultimately happens. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. So you'll remember the story where the Manhattan District of New York went to trial against the Trump Organization for the tax fraud, bank fraud, and insurance fraud committed by the Trump Organization. The CFO, Alan Weisselberg, pled out and promised to testify against the Trump Organization. He said he wouldn't testify against Donald Trump. They tried everything they could to get him to flip, but he didn't flip on Donald Trump. That said, he gave away a lot of information about the organization. And, of course, Donald Trump has his fingerprints over everything. He was a hands-on guy when it came to the Trump organization. Well, because he pled out and cooperated to a certain extent, he only got five months in jail, albeit Rikers Island, which is no fucking summer camp. 75-year-old guy going to Rikers Island can't be pleasant, if even four or five months. But a lot of people said, you know, that's not enough time. That's not fair. He wasn't accountable. In fact, it sounds like he may have even lied in his testimony. And the problem with him lying during his testimony, he could have gone from five months to 15 years very quickly. Well, that didn't happen in the trial in spite of the fact that he lied, and people bemoaned the fact that he only got five months. Well, guess what? They may not be done with that motherfucker yet, because there are other potential charges that he could face. And once again, he could be on the line, and that five months could be extended to five years, 10 years, 15 years. You see what they're doing. They couldn't crack him the first time around to get him to testify against Donald Trump. So they're going to take another crack at it. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office has recently threatened to file new criminal charges against former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg. Weisselberg, 75, he's currently serving time in New York's Rikers Island after he pled guilty to tax fraud in August. Now, the new charges, the sources said, would involve insurance fraud, a detailed first report by the New York Times. Prosecutors uh, in Manhattan are using the threat of additional charges to pressure Weisselberg into cooperating with their ongoing criminal investigation into former President Donald Trump and his business A spokesperson for the district attorney, Elvin Bragg, declined to comment to ABC News. An attorney for Weisselberg also declined to comment. Now, we know Weisselberg did testify against the Trump organization. Now, insurance fraud was mentioned in New York uh, by Attorney General Letitia James. She has a $250 million lawsuit against Trump. Um... And it's, it, it's against Trump and all his uh, eldest children. The lawsuit, which also names Weisselberg, another executive, alleges that the former CFO lied to an insurance company about an appraisal of Trump's real estate portfolio. Now, that's a civil action. But again, that perked up the ears of the criminal court and the DA, Elvin Bragg, in the Manhattan District. So Alan Weisselberg may be getting on this fucking merry-go-round again. And as much as most of us don't think he got enough time, uh, just relax. He may get some more. Or he's going to have to flip on Donald Trump. Now, he's been holding pretty strong and not flipping on Donald Trump. But uh, 
He's 75. It's fucking Rikers Island. Five months is one thing. But if you extend that out to a couple of years, five years, ten years, he might take a stronger look at this. Because he could end up dying in prison, especially a prison, uh, the, the, the level of Rikers Island. It is no club fed. It's a serious fucking prison, and he's not going to have a good time with it. Now, Trump has denied wrongdoing and has called James' investigation a politically motivated witch hunt. Oh, you never heard that before. This week, prosecutors began presenting evidence to a grand jury investigating whether Trump played a role in the hush money payment to Stormy Daniels just prior to the 2016 uh, presidential election. Now, among the initial witnesses were former National Enquirer publisher David Pecker. How'd you like to have that fucking name? And Trump Organization controller Jeff McConney. Trump has denied about the payment, which was arranged through his then personal attorney, Michael Cohen. Now, here's the deal. There's already been a trial over this. Michael Cohen was the go-between. He was convicted and he was sent to jail. Now, in this case, Donald Trump was referred to as an unindicted co-conspirator. Now, a co-conspirator would suggest he's working in cahoots with Michael Cohen. And if Michael Cohen was found guilty, it only makes sense the person he was conspiring with would probably be guilty too. So I'm sure uh, Elvin Bragg is looking at this case and thinking, oh, slam dunk. I don't know if Donald Trump realizes how much trouble he's in there, but he certainly is. In fact, Michael Cohen has said this may be the case that actually nails Donald Trump first and the quickest. I don't know if it's going to create the most amount of punishment, but I've always said just one indictment. Just give me one fucking indictment. And now we have Alan Weisselberg back on the hook and having to decide whether he's going to flip on Donald Trump. I don't know if he will. But if at worst case, Alan Weisselberg gets more time in the clink, I'm here for it, man. I am here for it. And the one thing Michael Cohen said about this case with Stormy Daniels, in addition to him being a co-conspirator, meaning Donald Trump, There are checks with Donald Trump's signature on it. It almost sounds like Georgia, where they have an audio tape of him committing a crime. This is how stupid and arrogant Donald Trump is. All of his life, he's been getting away with shit. He's been getting away with cheating on his taxes for decades. He's been getting away with um, fraud, tax, bank, and insurance fraud for decades. And now it's all coming together, and he may now finally be accountable. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Mr. Weisselberg was thinking, I'll just, I can do five, I can do five months standing on my head. You saw the old gangster movies. But, and he may well be able to do that. It's not going to be pleasant. But uh, with these new potential charges, we could be looking at a lot more time in jail for Mr. Weisselberg. Unless, of course, he decides to spill the beans on Donald Trump. He's been a hard nut to crack up at this point. He hasn't turned and rolled on Donald Trump as yet. But this might be the breaking point. At least I hope so. If not, he's incredibly stupid. If he wants to die and rot in jail, well, that's his fucking business. But if I was him and I was 75 years old, had enough money to live the rest of my life, I wouldn't do the rest of my life in fucking jail. You'd have to be an idiot to do that. You know, it's one thing to be loyal, but Jesus Christ, it's another to be stupid. Now, let's talk about stupid. (laughs) Remember Kyle Rittenhouse? You remember that little fucking piece of shit? 17-year-old kid that went to a riot, brought a gun. Mommy drove him there. And he shot some people. And then he goes to court in Wisconsin and gets off. Now, back then, the Republicans loved this guy. They were supporting him all the way. They were going to have a college fund for this motherfucker. 
But eventually, as all politicians do, they bailed on him, and uh, he's not a thing anymore. There is no value, PR value, in Kyle Rittenhouse anymore. Now, as much as he was taken off the hook for the criminal charges, he still has some law issues that he has to deal with. A federal judge um, has now said he will allow a wrongful death lawsuit to proceed against Kyle Rittenhouse in relation to his August 2020 fatal shooting of an unarmed racial justice protester in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now, the suit filed in 2021 by John Huber, who is the father of Anthony Huber, claims that Rittenhouse, who was 17 at the time of the killings, conspired with police officers to harm protesters, and Rittenhouse was acquitted of homicide after he claimed he acted in self-defense. Do you remember seeing the video of Kyle Rittenhouse? I remember it very well. There, the shooting and that kind of stuff. But there's one scene that I'm always reminded of that I find the most disgusting. And that is when he's walking away from where he just shot some people and he walks by some police police officers and they one was in a, a big vehicle and uh, there he is walking down the street 17 years old with a rifle and the cops just wave at him throw him a bottle of water and let him go on his way that makes you wonder just how much the police were involved and we know that police departments have the propensity for feeling comfy with shooting citizens. And apparently, they looked at Kyle Rittenhouse as a bit of a hero. Rittenhouse and government officials had challenged the lawsuit. Rittenhouse claimed that he had not been properly served with the lawsuit. Oh, you're going to play that game. I'm going to hide from being served. They'll never catch me. Oh, they always catch you. But the U.S. District Judge Lynn Edelman in the Eastern District, District of Wisconsin dismissed those arguments Wednesday. Edelman ruled that Rittenhouse is almost certainly evading service of the lawsuit documents. The Associated Press reported Rittenhouse has been deliberately cagey about his whereabouts. Edelman wrote, refusing to say where he lives. The judge also ruled that Huber's death could plausibly be regarded as having been proximately caused by the actions of the government defendants. So the police department may have some troubles. Kyle Rittenhouse, while he's not going to jail for murder like he should, they may destroy him financially for life, which is substantial. You know, we're talking he's about 20 now. He's got a long life ahead of him. He's a pariah amongst a lot of folks in this country right now. All he has to do is walk up and say, I'm Kyle Rittenhouse. That's a sure way to get punched in the head at a bar in the right place. Probably not Wisconsin, because that's a fucking different world. But Kyle Rittenhouse is crying and whining about, oh, they're being mean to me. Help me, Republicans. Fuck that. The Republicans aren't going to help you. They don't give two shits about you. They didn't give two shits about you in the beginning. You were just good press for them. Now you're worthless. Now you are exactly your true self. You're a worthless piece of shit who commits crimes, who got off, but now is going to be accountable. It's not as good as him going to jail, but if they destroy him financially at 20 years of age, well, have fun with that, motherfucker. Godspeed, because you are not going to ever come out of that hole. All right, New York Times reporter Charlie Savage was one of the team of reporters that broke this huge story that special counsel John Durham and Attorney General Bill Barr were corruptly using the Justice Department in an attempt to discredit Robert Mueller's investigation. The effort failed, but only after nearly four years and $6.5 million in taxpayer money. We know what happened here. When the Mueller report came out, William Barr purposely made it sound like, hey, nothing here, nothing to see here, which was not true. Uh, 
So when you hear somebody say, well, the Mueller report, Russia, 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 it's a hoax, totally exonerated, you can lay that right on fucking William Barr. The only reason people think they can get away with that is because of that greasy motherfucker. Now, in addition, they had an investigator investigate the investigations who was investigating the investigations. It's impossible to follow, so don't bother. But we're talking about John Durham. And this John Durham, I particularly dislike. I used to see John Durham on uh, TikTok, and he was acting like, I'm the tough guy, attorney, and investigator. I'm going to take Biden down. Well, when it was all said and done, they found nothing. Much like Benghazi or some of these investigations that the Republicans are doing now, they're going to be all for naught. There's going to be nothing there. They're going to waste a lot of time and money just to try to message, make Biden look bad. Well, John Durham didn't find fuck all, in spite of the fact that, that we kept hearing from uh, 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 the Republicans and the Trump fuck saying, just you wait. John Durham. Well, John Durham took a shit and he is worthless. But it was more than that, too. John Durham not only didn't find anything on Joe Biden or the Mueller report or anything that he was investigating. He did find some potential financial crimes by Donald Trump. Well, that escalated quickly. He was looking to discredit the Mueller report. And in the process, he found some evidence of crimes by Donald Trump. So did he bring that to light and investigate that and make indictments and go to a grand jury and all that shit? No, no, no. What he did is he covered it up. And therein lies the big problem for John Durham and William Barr. We've said this before. The crimes are one thing, but the cover-ups are the things that get you put in jail. So John Durham, as far as much as he thought he was a tough guy and everybody thought he would be the savior to put Donald Trump back in office, he fucked up. Not only did he not do the job by trying to discredit the Mueller report, he also covered up for some crimes his boss, Donald Trump, committed. Two former prosecutors now serving in Congress have asked the inspector general at the DOJ to probe into the conspiracy. But there's another entity under the department that could also be jockeying for the investigation, OPR, the Office of Professional Responsibility. OPR was started after Watergate in an effort to ensure the ethical standards of lawyers. Now, Savage told MSNBC's Nicole Wallace that the investigation would likely look at the draft of the interim report by Durham's number two in the probe that ultimately quit. He just said, I'm bailing on this. This is bullshit. They would want to know more about how Durham used a grand jury authority to obtain access to emails of George Soros's aide after a federal judge twice ruled his evidentiary basis for trying to get after the information about those emails and intrude on the person's privacy was legally inadequate. So that would be two big avenues for the discussion, as well as what was the criminal investigation involving some sort of financial crime with Donald Trump? We know the crime was there. We know they found the evidence, but none of us ever heard about it, surprisingly. Well, that needs to come to light, and that'll be yet another problem for Donald Trump, but more so a problem for William Barr and John Durham. These people are corrupt motherfuckers. They tried to discount the Mueller report, they couldn't do it, they didn't do it, and in the process found a crime committed by Donald Trump, and then they covered it up. William Barr is doing his best to rehabilitate himself, step away from Donald Trump as much as he can, but as I've told you before, these people waited too long. The stink is on them as if it was a skunk that sprayed them. Not even tomato juice is going to fucking get the stink off of William Barr. William Barr will go through some things, and so will John Durham. And once again, the Republicans, the trump they threw this in our faces like this was going to be the answer. Oh, my God, Joe Biden's going down, Mueller's going down, but not the case. Once again, the trump Donald Trump, failed.
When are they going to learn? They continually fail. Everything they do, they go to court, they fail. They go to elections, they fail. When is this going to get through their thick heads that, uh, you know, maybe we'll do something different? Oh, I don't know. How about, how about I just be honest? <laughs> They'll never fucking do that. Now, there's a little bit of a head bumping between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. See, Ron DeSantis hasn't even said he's running for president, but a lot of people are saying he probably will. There are some people thinking he's going to be the best candidate for the Republican Party come 2024, but he hasn't even announced at this point. But Donald Trump is feeling a little... He's got little feelings about this. He's all of a sudden doesn't like... Ron DeSantis. And it's going to be interesting to see how Ron DeSantis reacts to it. Now, Donald Trump once again slammed Ron DeSantis during a spot with uh, a Hugh Hewitt interview. Hugh Hewitt's another Trump humper. I'm familiar, familiar with Hugh Hewitt because back in the day, early, early days, like the 80s, I was working at a talk radio station and I was producing some of the national network stuff. Hugh Hewitt was on that network, along with other people uh, that are still out there now. And they were conservative, but at that time, there wasn't the, the divisiveness between the conservatives and the liberals. Uh, but right now, he's pretty much a full-out Trump humper. Now, what Donald Trump did on Hugh Hewitt, he claimed that Ron DeSantis pathetically begged him for an endorsement before the 2018 Florida governor's race. Donald Trump has been criticized uh, for his slow rollout of the 2024 campaign after announcing in November. Over the last few weeks, he has more resembled the 2016 Trump as he's gone after those uh, he considers to be his political rivals. And of course, his biggest rival at this point is Ron DeSantis. Yeah, so Donald Trump announces he's running for president at the absolute worst time. And then he goes hides in Mar-a-Lago. He doesn't do anything. People say he's not doing anything. He's not really running for president. He's scared to come out. So, of course, that triggers Donald Trump. And now he's trying to show that everybody was wrong. He's a very reactive guy. He's a very emotional guy. And that gets him in trouble every fucking time. Even his rallies, he was supposed to have a rally in South Carolina, and after not very many people showed up, they said, well, it wasn't really a rally. Well, what was it, motherfucker? What was it? Now, the problem is Donald Trump's got big problems with people showing up to his little get-togethers, and he's having trouble fundraising. He's just uh, getting spurts of money here and there, but nothing like he was used to. So this has got to be weighing pretty heavy on his head at this point. He's a very ego-driven guy, and if he can't grift as much money as he used to, you know he's freaking out about it. Now, many believe that if Trump is to lose the 2024 nomination, it would be to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So now the former president is doing everything. He can make the popular Republican lawmaker or, uh, appear to be weak. Now, during his radio spot with Hugh Hewitt, Trump first mentioned his rival when asked about Glenn Youngkin. He said of the Virginia governor, I did a lot for him, and he got elected because of me, just like Ron DeSantis, even more so. Later, turning directly to DeSantis, Trump raged. Yeah, he's, he's flailing. He's fucking getting unhinged because he's scared to death. Trump raged. He had nothing. He was dead. He was leaving the race. He came over and he begged me, begged me for an endorsement. He was getting ready to drop out. <laughs> the former president continued. He said, there were tears coming from his eyes. He said, if you endorse me, I'll win. So I ended up doing it and he wins. They say it was like a bomb went off. Just a bomb totally went off from the moment I endorsed him. He went from losing by numbers that were not catchable to winning easily. Oh, that sounds so much like Donald Trump, doesn't it? What do you think 
Ron DeSantis is going to say. These guys were partners in crime for a long time. And now Donald Trump is ripping the shit out of them. You know that Ron DeSantis has got a little bit of ego himself. And uh, he's probably thinking about running for president. The last thing anybody needs running for any elected office is to have Donald Trump trying to rip you apart. They're trying to step away from him, but he keeps coming up like a like a bad blood blister. You know, you pop it and then it becomes a blister again. That's that's what Donald Trump is all the fucking about. And again, it goes back to what I've said before, and this is a good thing for the Democrats. They're spending so much time, the Republicans, fighting amongst themselves that they aren't going to have time to pay attention to the Democrats. And that's perfect because 2024 comes along. I don't care if it's Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump or fucking anybody. The Republicans have very little chance of winning anything in 2024. People are afraid of Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis becoming the candidates. Don't be, because if it's either one of them, they are going to lose by a landslide. They're not good candidates. Even Ron DeSantis isn't a good candidate. Just because the media is saying he's the heir apparent, don't believe that shit. It's two years away from the election. Nobody who gets in this early ends up being the front runner in the end. Ron DeSantis has got all kinds of problems in his own state of Florida, legal problems in Florida. I don't think he'll be in a position to run in 2024. I guarantee you Donald Trump will not be the Republican candidate in 2024. There is a remote chance that he would be a third-party candidate, but I don't even think that's possible. I think some of the things that are going to come down on his head are going to preclude him for running for any elected office, including fucking dog catcher. Now, here's a funny but kind of a sad story. It's not really sad. It's more funny than sad. But if I'm the guy, I would be pretty sad. And when I talk about sad and stupid, who else could I be talking about but Mike Lindell? So Mike is really kind of desperate for attention these days. You know, he was a hot commodity for a while with the symposiums and all this stuff. He kept telling us about all the evidence of election fraud that he had, but somehow, someway, we never saw said evidence. But he still continued to fight, and still many Trumplefucks think he's their savior, the second only to Donald Trump. Mike Lindell, <laughs> you know, and I saw when Jimmy Kimmel suggested this, and I said, well, Mike Lindell's never going to do that. That's fucking embarrassing. Funny, but it's embarrassing. But Mike Lindell agreed to the stipulation that he conducts his Jimmy Kimmel interview on Tuesday night from inside a claw machine. <laughs> Literally, you know what I'm talking about when I say claw machine. You know, it's got that claw and you can win a stuffed animal or something. I used to be really good at that. I remember one time I had my kids at like a Chuck E. Cheese or something and something was off with the machine or I was just had my biorhythms or some fucking thing up. And I pulled out like seven stuffed animals. I was the coolest guy at the party because I got every kid a fucking stuffed animal. And I've never done it ever since. I try every time. It's like this thing in the back of my head. You got to try that claw machine. But anyway, um, Mike Lindell and Jimmy Kimmel have had a long back and forth about political issues, despite the late night host's frequent mockery of the pillow entrepreneur. Lindell seems to be a glutton for punishment. The conservative activists wanted to be interviewed. Of course, he wants fucking attention. And <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel said, well, you know, in this building, you can't come in unless you're vaccinated. The host had claimed that Lindell had to be inside the claw machine at the Dave & Buster's next to the studio so that everybody would be safe from this unvaccinated status. But he said during the monologue, Kimmel did, I do not insist that Mike be in a claw machine because he's not vaccinated. I insist he be in a claw machine because it's hilarious. This isn't a political statement. This is just for fun. 
It's a political statement. Now, Kimmel also asked his guest about his poor performance during the recent RNC chair vote. Despite plenty of boasting, Lindell only managed to garner a total of, what, like four votes? Mike claimed that polling had shown voters preferred his leadership and that those who voted for the position didn't listen to them. So he's saying the representatives, the Republicans that voted for him, weren't listening to the people the people wanted him. I beg to differ. Mike, you were never a serious candidate, ever. Kimmel continued to joke with Lindell about his fight against voting machines, at one point asking, you distrust distrust machines? Does that extend to sewing machines, ice machines, all this shit? See, the point is, Lindell is not a serious man. He's not a serious activist. He puts on these little dog and pony shows to get attention, and it's not working anymore. So he gets in these little... I don't know, Twitter fights or whatever with Jimmy Kimmel, hoping to get some attention based on Jimmy Kimmel's followers. And then, of course, he wants to be on the show. And Jimmy Kimmel says, you can be on the show, but you can't come in the studio because you're not vaccinated. Go over to Dave and Buster's. Get inside the claw machine. And there's, I've seen the, I didn't see the interview, but I saw the pictures, and it's just so fucking silly. This guy has no shame. Absolutely no fucking shame. This guy is a clown. And how we have possibly anybody taking him seriously is just amazes me. But if you go out to these little trump fuck rallies or whatever and you bring up Mike Lindell, they think he's the greatest guy, the smartest guy, in spite of the fact he's never come up with any evidence or anything substantive uh, about what he's saying. He just pulls shit out of his ass, says it, and a certain faction of people are just stupid enough to believe everything he says. Now, Mike has other problems, too. Of course, he's being sued by Dominion for $1.6 billion, probably a little more than he has. Now, he tried to get that court case, that lawsuit dismissed, but the judge said, fuck yourself, you're getting sued, motherfucker. And he's going to lose that lawsuit. He doesn't have the money to really fight it. And, of course, Dominion has all kinds of money, and they are going to bury Mike Lindell and the others that they're suing, including Fox News. Now, Fox News might have a better chance of affording the $1.6 billion fine that they're ultimately going to get, but that's going to take a big bite out of their budget, I would have to think. It might even shut them down. Or worse yet, it might make them have to sit back and say, you know, maybe we ought to change some shit. Maybe we shouldn't be lying conspiracy theorist fucks. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't see them learning a lesson, but they may be put out of business in the process. Mike Lindell, he's going to end up the way Donald Trump ends up. Broke and irrelevant and stupid and roaming around in a dirty diaper. Now, I don't know if Mike Lindell has to wear a diaper. He's kind of around my age, so probably not yet, but that time's coming. When he gets hit with a fine of $1.6 billion, I guarantee you he's going to be shitting his pants. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast for yet another day. I want to thank you for taking time to listen, taking that time out of your day. It's much appreciated. Again, tomorrow we have a show with listener Dennis. Fucking awesome show. It's really a good show. You want to listen to that. Uh, Dennis is a guy who's on TikTok and pod and in a podcast. He's a young guy. He's about 38 years old. We've talked about him before. He does leather crafts, and he's very talented. He's very artistic and very talented. We don't talk a lot about that, but we talk some. And you may want to check him out on TikTok or even check out his podcast. But he has some interesting insights. And I told him, you know, I get tired of people always agreeing with me. I need somebody to push back. And he did on a couple of things, and that made it more interesting. So I would encourage you to listen to that show. Then on Sunday... 
I'm going to be talking to Fred, who's been on the show a few times. Very sharp guy. Guy closer to my age from Chicago. He has some uh, connections uh, by relation to people on police forces. We talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, the, the recent murder of the young black man by the five black police officers. And we go off into all the other happenings of the day. And lastly, after this show, at some point later today, you'll hear another show with Ed and I, and we'll be talking about the business at hand uh, that's going on today. So a lot coming your way. I'm going to Georgia, but I will do a regular podcast on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Then I'm coming home Wednesday. We're back to normal. So we got you covered from all aspects, even though I will be away. So I hope you have a great day. And of course, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.